You know, one of the most uh, important motivating factors in life is this concept of purpose and design. That, that is that we're not here by accident, that we're not just existing, getting up in the morning, going to work again, going through another monotonous week, but that there's purpose, there's design behind our lives, that there's a reason for our being, that, that behind each of our lives there is, in fact, a designer. Nobody has a DNA like you or a thumbprint like you. Why? Because you're an individual made by God and indescribably valuable to Him. So much so that there's no one else in this whole universe exactly like you. Because you are precious and valuable to Him. And He's got a purpose and He's got a plan for your life. And the tragedy is that many of us live our lives without a thought that God has designed us and formed us and fashioned us for a purpose. That somewhere there's something that we can do that no one else in this world can do quite like we can do. You know, we share our testimonies in the Christian faith often. And usually when we do it, we drive down three stakes in order to tell our testimony. In fact, Paul gives his testimony in the book of Acts. And he does this with these three stakes. Uh, the first stake is when we were born. Uh, each of us on our driver's license has a birth date. We were born on a certain day. And then that second state is when we were born again. When we came to know that Christ had died on the cross for our sins, that we asked him to forgive us, come into our lives. And as the Bible says, we, we were born again. It's not a changed life, not that we just took on a few new set of moral standards, but an exchanged life. We give God our own life, and he gives us one that's brand new. And as Jesus said in John 3, it's like being born again of the Spirit. In fact, the Bible says to, to be born again, to know Christ in the free pardoning of sin, is like going from death unto life. It's like going from darkness into light. Somebody here today said, well, you know, I'm just not sure where I've ever, have, ever had a time in my life when I've really put my faith and trust in Christ. Well, how could you go from death unto life and not know it? Or how could you go from darkness into light and not know it? So we're, there's a stake when we're born. There's a stake when we're born again. And then there's that stake when we're going to die. And if that's all, we all have that in common if Jesus tarries his return. And that one day we're going to die. And so most testimonies are wrapped up around these three markers in life. Mine is, I was born in Fort Worth, Texas, grew up in a home uh, with good moral folks. I never played in a ball game. My dad wasn't there, but they weren't church people. I was 17 years old, had never heard a prayer in my home, never seen the Bible open in my home. I didn't know Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John were books of the Bible and could count on that hand how many times I'd ever been to church in my life. And it was all midnight mass on Christmas Eve with my aunts and uncles and cousins who were all Catholics. And after a basketball game up in Fort Worth one night when I was in high school, 17, a young man saw me on the parking lot, and he shared Christ with me. He had come to know the Lord, told me what a difference it had made in his life. I thought he was crazy. But the next Sunday morning, he picked me up, took me to the Sagamore Hill Baptist Church. First time in my life I heard the gospel that morning. 
and I came to know Christ. And yes, old things passed away and all became new, brand new with me. And life took on a new set of meaning and, and a new set of purpose. And, and, and since then, uh, I've sought to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ so that one day when I die, I have the assurance that I'm going to go to heaven out there. And so, you know, your testimony is like that. I'm sure we're wrapped around those three things. But I have a question for you this morning. What about back here before you were born? We talk about when we're born, when we're born again, when we die, and after that when we go to heaven. But what about back here? Before you, have you ever heard a testimony about what God did for me before I was born? Did you know you have one? And then in a, just in a few moments, you're going to be able to leave here and be able to give a testimony of something that God did for you before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. It's found in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1. He gives us this testimony. Jeremiah 1, verse 4 and 5. Jeremiah says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you. I set you apart. I appointed you. I ordained you. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. He had a testimony of what God had done for him before he was born. And that adverbial phrase for you English scholars in here, before you were born, modifies four verbs. I knew you, I set you apart, I appointed you to a task, I formed you and fashioned you. You have a testimony today that we all need to awaken to of what God did for you before you were ever born. Here's the first thing your testimony includes. Mine is the same. And it's like this. He named me before I was born. Before I was born, the Bible says, God said, I knew you. I knew you before, before your parents knew you. Before your mom took you in her arms right a minute after you were born and held you and looked at you. Before your parents knew you, God knew you. Before you were born. He knew you. He knows today your email address. He knows your mobile number. He knows everything about you. I knew you, God said. And that Hebrew word where he says, I knew you, is also used to show that close, personal, intimate relationship between a husband and his wife. I knew you intimately, God said. I knew. I know all about you. I know where you were last Friday night. I know what you're thinking. I know, I know those secret sins in your life. I know you. I know you. You see, God knows you. He knew you before you were born. And, and the tense of that, the perfect tense means that it's past completed action. It's already happened. It's over with. It's done. It's past action. It's completed. I knew you before you were born. God knew you before you were born. It doesn't mean that you existed before you were born, because you didn't. But you did in the mind of God. 
you did back in the eternal counsels of God before you were born in his infinite mind he knew you and he assigned to you a number a DNA and no one else that's ever lived on this planet has one exactly like you because he knew you so you have a testimony of what what God did for you before you were born and the first part of that testimony is he named me you see there is design behind your life there is purpose in your life. Before you were ever born, God knew not just didn't know you. He knew all about you, and he has a purpose and a plan for your life because he, he knew you, and it all began back there before you were born. Now, the second part of your testimony is this. Not only can, can I say he named me, but I can say he claimed me. Look at these other two verbs. He said, I set you apart, I ordained you, I, I consecrated you, I sanctified you, I, I set you apart. He set you apart for himself. Uh, that Hebrew word that we find here that translates this word that some Bibles say sanctified, some say consecrated, some say set apart, means holy. That's what holy means. It means it's separated. When Isaiah got that glimpse of the holiness of God, he was different. He was separated. He was holy. God sees you, according to this Hebrew word, as set apart, as holy unto himself. And there are not a lot of things that God calls set apart, holy. But you're one of them. I'll tell you what some of them are. How about the temple? You remember the, Solomon's temple where the Jews worshipped in the older dispensation? And there was a room in that temple that was different from every other room. It was set apart from every other room. It was called what? The Holy of Holies. That room was so holy, it was so separate that nobody went into it except the high priest. And he only one day a year on the high day of atonement. When he would take the blood of that sacrificial animal, enter into that beyond the veil, into that holy of holies, that room, and he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat, and the glory of God, God would come to meet the people, and the Shekinah glory of God would fill that room. That room was set apart. It was different. You know what? You didn't play volleyball in that room. You, you didn't go in that room, put up a card table. You older folks would play 42 in there because it was different. It was set apart. It was holy. I'll tell you something else God called holy. The vessels in temple worship. He tells all about the instructions of how to make them pure gold and those vessels that the priests used in temple worship. They were set apart. They were called holy. You know what that means? You didn't drink coffee out of them. You didn't, you didn't put Dr. Pepper and ice and make you a flo Dr. Pepper float or something in them. Why? Because they were set apart. They were only for temple worship. They were different from all other vessels. I'll tell you something else God calls holy. The Sabbath day in that Jewish dispensation. And to this day, our, Jew, our Orthodox Jewish friends, they celebrate the Sabbath day. Shabbat, they call it. It begins at sundown on Friday, and it goes to sundown on Saturday. And they don't drive in a car. They don't work. If you've ever been to Israel, stayed in a hotel in Israel on Shabbat, on the Sabbath day, on the, you get in an elevator, they have a Shabbat elevator there, and they won't even push a button because they think it's work. So that elevator stops on every floor in the hotel. 
Because that day is separate for them. It's set apart. They don't work. They stay with their families. They, they learn of the Lord. They, they, they rest. It's separate. T- yeah, here's something. God calls the tithe holy. Did you know that? He said it's holy unto the Lord. That, that, that 10% of our income is to be set apart as holy for God. Now, I could go on illustrating these other things that God says holy, but I've illustrated enough to say that's the same word that's used here when God says, I set you apart as holy unto me. God took you from all the other created order and everybody else he's ever created, and he put you apart for a purpose, and you're separate for that. Do you see that? Just as he set aside the vessels and the Holy of Holies and all those things, he set you apart from all others. You have a testimony of what God did for you before you were born. He he claimed you. You're his. Before you were born, he set you apart. And then he says, I ordained you. Now, in Jeremiah's case, it was to be a prophet to the nations. I don't know what yours might be, but I know that God has a plan for you. And he has a purpose for you. And he has appointed you. Not He set you apart. And then he's appointed you to this purpose. Uh, that Hebrew word means to designate, to assign. In other words, there's a job for you to do that no one can do like you can do. And that didn't, it's not related to your education or your talent or your training. It all took place before you were born. God had a plan for you. He still has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. And the same Hebrew word that he says he appointed you, ordained you, is used in Genesis 1.17, where it says he appointed the stars in their courses. And he, everyone has a place. My wife Susie and I spent the weekend over west of Marble Falls. And we live in Dallas. And in Dallas, you can't even see stars at night because all the city lights are everywhere. But it... James Weldon Johnson wrote a book called God's Trombones. One time he said it was blacker than a thousand midnights down in a cypress swamp. That's the way it is way out there in the, in the hill country. And we, we sat out, out in the back and sat in a chair about three nights ago, and the stars just burst, billions of them. And, and uh, we, we looked at the Big Dipper. And, uh, and as you know, you look at that Big Dipper, and then you go bottom of it, you go right across and what do you see right across over there? Polaris, the North Star. That star that's guided navigators for centuries when they didn't have any GPS, any equipment, out there in the middle of the oceans at night in wooden, rickety boats, and they'd find that North Star, and it would guide them. Same thing happened in the Underground Railroad when the, when the slaves were freed, and people like Harriet Tubman would tell them, and she would describe to them the Big Dipper and where the North Star was and, and, and she would say just just go as they traveled at night just follow that North Star it's appointed there it's been there God had a place for it and those stars run in clock-like precision for all these time of since creation and we can put our watch by them and that's exactly the same word that God uses when he says just as he appointed that star that somewhere there's a job for you to do and he has a purpose and a plan for you before you were born that he appointed you to that task. All the education, all the training, all the hard work, 
is not enough for success in life because God has a purpose for you, if you find it, a plan for you. And that's also perfect tense. That, what that means, it's just past completed action. It's already happened before you were born. He knew you. He set you apart. He appointed you to a certain task. Some of us haven't found it yet. Some of us have. But it's here for you. And it all happened before you were born. You know, when, when our daughter Holly, whose birthday's uh, this week, she's 43. I can't believe I've got a daughter that old, but I do. But when she w- went to TCU, I w- before we came to be pastor of First Baptist Dallas, I was pastor of First Baptist Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And Holly came to TCU at that time uh, to go to school. We came out to move her in the dorm, and uh, I am uh, God never set me apart and assigned me to be a handyman. I don't know why. That's not his purpose for my life because I'm not much of one. But we were moving her in the dorm. Susie and Holly were unpacking everything. And I had one task Susie gave me, and that was, that's my wife. And she gave me a task. There was a little pedestal table about that round, just had that flat tabletop, and then one pedestal with four little legs on it, and then four screws. All I had to do is put the table on the ground, put the pedestal on it, screw those four screws in. She said, here, do this. While I'm doing it. So I got it and I put it down there and I couldn't find a screwdriver. So I went in the kitchen where they had unpacked some of the kitchen stuff or, and, uh, in that little apartment and got a kitchen knife and came back. And it had those Phillips screws, you know, the kind that have a cross. And I, I when I'm working on that thing. I'm working so hard to get them screwed. Well, in about five minutes, that kitchen knife was turned in three or four different directions. My knuckles were bloodied. My wife walks by and sees what's going on and goes over to her little tool chest she has and pulls out a Phillips screwdriver, tosses it my way and says, here, I won't refer to what she referred to me as, but here, take this and use it. And I got that Phillips screwdriver and I put it into that Phillips screw. It felt so good. And I pushed down and I turned it. It turned so tight. It worked so great, and it felt so good, and I felt so good about myself. You know why? That screwdriver was doing what it had been assigned to do, what it had been made to do, what its task was to do. Somewhere there was an engineer that designed that screwdriver behind it, that knew how that handle ought to be and how that shaft ought to be and just how that, 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 that point of it ought to be. And, and it was doing what it was designed to do. And it felt so right. And when, that's, when you realize what, that God has, there's something for you to do that no one else can do like you can do. You say, well, how can I, how, wh- where do I find it? You know, I was fortunate enough to know and love Billy Graham very closely. And and I've got a Bible on my desk that he gave me. And anytime he would give somebody a Bible or sign a Bible, he would always put first, uh, put Psalm 1611 on it. it. Here's what it says. God's promise. I will make known to you the path of life. In my presence is fullness of joy. At my right hand are pleasures forevermore. God will make known to us the path of life. Uh, he won't veil his will from you. He wants you to know his purpose and his plan. And it begins with desire. Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean what your, whatever your little old heart desires you can have. It means God will put those desires in your heart to do what his purpose and plan is for your life. 
if you'll stay in tune with him. And just like that Phillips screwdriver, you'll find purpose. And it'll feel so right. And you'll feel so good about what you were doing. You see, the question is not, Lord, who, what, what, where am I going to go to school? What am I going to do as a vocation? Who am I going to marry? We got all that wrong. The real question is, Lord, what have you designed me to do? If you knew me and you set me apart and you said I appointed you something, Lord, what is it? What is your purpose for my life? Lord, what do you want me to do? Isn't that what Paul asked on the Damascus Road, remember? Lord, what would you have me to do? That's the most important question in life, to be able to find God's purpose, God's design for your life. You have a testimony of what God did for you before you were born. And here it is. He named me, he claimed me, and finally and briefly, he framed me. He framed me. Look at that other verb. Before you were born, I formed you in the womb. Before you ever formed, that was God fashioning and forming you in the womb. How can two tiny specks of protoplasm, unseen to the naked eye, an egg and a sperm come together? in conception and in that little tiny speck of protoplasm that you can't even see have all the intricacies of a nervous system and a respiratory system and a circulatory system and a skeletal system and a muscular system and a digestive system and a nervous system all of that he framed me he formed me in my mother's womb and here's where the verb changes all those other verbs or perfect tense in Hebrew. That means they're past completed action. All that before you were born. This one is imperfect tense. He formed me. It means it's continuous action. It's still in progress. It never stops. He not only formed you in the mother's womb. He is still forming you today. Still fashioning you today. Just like that potter with the clay on the wheel. He's forming. Some of you had something happen in your life this week. That you say, where did that come from? And it just might be the hand of God forming you and fashioning you to get you to the place where you would say, Lord, what is it you want me to do? What is your purpose for my life? Before I was born, you formed me in my mother's womb. Uh, God is still doing it. Listen, this brings light to a whole new issue in the abortion issue. Most of it deals with the present. What is abortion? It takes the life of a baby in the womb. It deals with the future, emotional distress and other things that women go through that don't know they can be completely forgiven by God. But what about the past in this issue? What about the past? Because before you were born, he formed you. The, the serious thing about abortion is it messes with God's purpose and plan in life. This brings a whole new dimension to it about the question of when does life begin? And there's so, many, so much in this debate about when life begins. Most of our Jewish friends and some Christian friends believe that life begins when that baby takes its first breath. Because it says he breathed into the breath of life. And so some believe when that baby's out of the womb, takes his first breath, life begins. Others say no, it's when the baby is 
quote, quote, viable in the womb, could live outside the womb. Others say, no, it's when you can first hear the heartbeat of the baby. Others say, no, it's at conception. When conception takes place, life begins. None of that is true. Life begins before conception, back in the eternal counsels of God. Before you were born, before you were formed, he said, I knew you, and I set you apart, and I appointed you to a specific place in life. You say, well, that's all Old Testament. Oh, is it? Well, what about Ephesians 2.10? He says, you are God's workmanship, Paul said, created in Christ Jesus unto good work. You're God's workmanship. You're God's work of art. You're God's, the purpose of God in your life. You are his workmanship. He's still forming you. He's still fashioning you. He's still working with you to get you to that place where you'll see that you're holy to him, that you're set apart, that there's nobody like you, and that there's something you can do that no one can do like you can do. And so he's forming you. He's fashioning you. He's molding you. He said we are his workmanship. And that's an interesting Greek word. Uh, workmanship. We get an English word from the transliteration of that Greek word. Listen to the Greek word. See if you know what word we get in English from it. The Greek word is poema. Poema. We are God's poema. We are God's poem. We're God's special creation. We're God's work of art. That's what you are. There's nobody like you. You, you are God's special create go to the louvre or one of these great famous art galleries you see these beautiful paintings of the world you don't go up and say well who's that person that painting what you want to know is who painted that who's behind that beautiful picture we ought to be living our lives in such a way that people look at us and say who's behind that beautiful life who is it that designed that life and purposed that life and motivates that life and fills that life with such joy and such purpose. You have a testimony about what God did for you before you were born. What are you doing about that testimony as I close? About what God did for you before you were born. Some of you are going through life just like that kitchen knife trying to screw a Phillips screw into life. And it never works. That's why you're bloody, your knuckles are bruised, and the knife is bent. Because you've not found the purpose of God for your life. He named you. He knew you. He said, before you were born, I knew you. Right now, he knows all about you. He knows your secret sins. He knows where you were last Friday night. He knows everything. He's known you before you were born, and he still loves you and is still willing to forgive and give you a brand new beginning. And you can, you can begin the great adventure for which God formed and fashioned you and created you in the first place to fit into his purpose and plan for your life. It's like no one else. He named me. He claimed me. He set you apart. You're holy to him. And there's something for you to do. He appointed you to a task. And then he framed you. And he's not finished. He's still farming and fashioning. So, he knows you. But that's not the question as I close. Because the real question is, do you know him? Do you know him? 
If you were to give your testimony today, would it just be about, well, I was born and I've lived my life like this and one day I'm going to die? Or have you ever driven down that second stake to be able to say, I know for certain that I've come to know Christ as my personal Savior, that I've been born again, that I've asked Him to forgive me of my sin, that I've opened the door of my heart and received Him into my life as a new believer. It's not a changed life. It's not that you're going to go along here and take up a new set of moral standards and say it's an exchange life. What God wants you to do is give Him your old life, and He'll give you one that's brand new, and He'll come to live in you forever, so much so that when you die, you can have the assurance today that one day you'll spend the endless ages of eternity with him. So, you have a testimony about what God did for you before you were born. He knew you. He set you apart. He appointed you. And then he formed and fashioned you. And that forming and fashioning is what brought some of you to this room this morning to hear this message. Because this is the appointed place for you, this altar, to come to know him, whom to know is life, eternal and abundant.